Welcome to The Field Trip, a podcast about the future of commercial real estate, the future of law, and everything in between. Today we speak with Bradley Price, General Counsel for Fraser's Property Industrial, to talk about innovation within the legal function and the broader business. Fraser's has a very impressive framework for driving innovation, which Brad shares with us. But three things from this discussion really stood out. First is the power of incremental innovation across the entire organization. Small things matter. Second is the importance of involving the customer, both internal and external, in the innovation process. Third is how the process of innovation, where an answer is not immediately apparent, has challenged Brad's legal problem-solving mindset and ultimately made him a better lawyer. Here now is Bradley Price from Fraser's Property Industrial. Bradley Price, thanks for joining us on the field trip today. Oh, good morning, Alistair. How are you? I'm really well, thanks. Thank um, we just had a bit of a chat before um, before we switched the microphone on. The idea today primarily is to talk about the process of innovation at Fraser's Property, Fraser's Property Australia, um, because from some of the things you've told me, it's a, a really sort of um, thorough and genuinely focused on value process. So I'm, I'm keen to, to dig into that. But perhaps just to start off, could you tell us, just give us a brief bio. Who is Bradley Price? You know, how has he come to, to be sitting in this chair today? Well, Bradley Price, uh, or, uh, sitting in this chair because you've kindly asked me to join you. Uh, but the, you know, the history in terms of working at Fraser's mm-hmm. Property for now over 17 years, it's a, um, it's a great place to work. And it's not sort of the journey I first expected to be on. But uh, What was that? Well, I think when you start at a place, you, you sort of have ideas you might stay for a little while, get some experience, move on to yep. somewhere else. But look, it's... It's been such an evolving business from uh, Australand in, in its past life to, to Fraser's property and being um, part of a much larger worldwide developer. Mm-hmm. Um, with that comes, uh, you know, uh, certainly a lot more, um, a lot more challenges, but also a lot of opportunities, you know, with, with capital and and also just interesting developments. Uh, so yeah, I'm here. Uh, I've got a great team. Um, who I think my ten years is uh, one of the shortest uh, wow. terms of, of our staff of, of a group of six, um, and you know we also have a lot of fun, which makes it a, a great day. Oh, that sounds that sounds awesome. Um, you touched on um, Fraser's being the sort of the, the product of Australand being um, being acquired. Could you? Tell us one, just a bit about the structure of the Fraser's business in Australia and, and then you touched before just on how things have changed since that acquisition um, happened a bit over five years ago. Could you tell us about sort of what it looks like and, and what those changes were? Yes, I think there's Fraser's property has a, I guess, a worldwide reach of businesses. The Australian business is one that covers... Um, not only residential but also commercial, commercial office in industrial retail, and also uh, platforms of owning assets as well. And there's a phrase as logistics trust. So not unusual for developers that there's a vehicle by which uh, take out vehicle, take out vehicle, but you know an, an important investment vehicle yep. for investors who have an appetite for recurrent income. Um, so where have that? that type of model. We also have a reach to our European arm, the Fraser's property industrial business is actually linked to our European business just recently. So we've got uh, we've got an interesting connection with, with the rest of the world and that opportunity to also service customers on a more global scale rather than just 
I guess, the local state-based or even national-based um, sort of options. How does that, um, so that, that tie up with, so just to, to dig down a bit, um, so a, from a logistics perspective, there was a tie up with the European business. Um, how does that then operate? How has it changed for you day to day with that sort of having an umbrella that sits, if I understand it correctly, over the Australian logistics business and also the European business? Yeah, so in terms of my role, still uh, localised in mm-hmm. terms of the Australian business, and we have a, a legal representation in in, in Europe, mm-hmm. um, but we work closely together in terms of now trying to make sure we have consistent systems, just the way that we operate is not a, a consistent approach. Um, because I think one of the great things about uh, our legal group and also our focus of phrases is it's really about a custom uh, sort of customer-driven solution. So it's the idea of, you know, how do we get to yes for our customers? Mm-hmm. How do we give a consistent level of service in Australia and also in Europe for the same same customer? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, um, no, that's, that's really interesting. I, I, I had something here just before just <clears throat> that, um, that I wanted to, to mention um, when I was stalking you on LinkedIn just before, even though you and I know each other quite well, it's, it's interesting the things you find out. Brad, one, one thing, thing I know about you, Brad, is that you've got um, a very you have a fantastic sense of humour. <laughs> and I was just in your LinkedIn profile, and um, I love the introductory paragraph. I don't know when it was that you wrote this, but you've gone, I've always been interested in buildings and construction that are being produced. My father was a builder <laughs> and encouraged me to join his trade and his business. I explained to my father at the time, I think I'd make a better lawyer than a carpenter. I haven't had a drive father before. A little too mm-hmm. many leads. Agreed. Correct. Excellent. Correct. <laughs> so it wasn't, a, I don't think my father had intentions <coughs> of becoming become part um, of the, the business okay, long term. Uh, so, so uh, but look, you know, it's, uh, it's certainly still nice to be involved in the property industry in some mm-hmm. way. How, how are the conversations between the two of you over? All things property and, and construction. Do, do you talk much about it or is it... Mm-hmm. To be honest, we don't in mm. context. I mean, it's not a, you know, it's sometimes hard to explain to people what you do in these sort of roles yep. a, as a general counsel of a, a property-based development business. Mm-hmm. I mean, most people in the, you know, I guess in the, in the, in conversations think you do conveyancing or something like that's that. Right. And maybe that's just best to explain it. I don't know. So it's, <laughs> I did uh, conveyancing and leasing and we build some stuff. Well, yeah, look, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, as you would know in the, in legal roles as you develop in these things it's uh, there's lots of different reaches that mm. you're looking at mm-hmm. um, and uh, and particularly more so it's not just you know, at the true legal side of things you start to get involved in whether it's innovation projects or other process related things whether it's you know, community aspects or whether it's um, you know committees on on, on different things mm-hmm. it gives you lots of other opportunities mm. excellent um, I flagged flagged this question uh, before we started because I have, um, so I find differing views on on this particular issue of innovation, we'll hopefully speaking quite a bit about that um, over the next few minutes. Um, So I I see that from the people I talk to about innovation and application of technology in particular within commercial real estate, this this spectrum of how it's treated and perhaps cynically at the the one end being a very PR focused Endeavor, and at the other at the other end being something far more substantive. Um, where do you where do you think the industry as a whole sits, and then perhaps um, you know where, where do you see phrases sit 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 on on that spectrum? 
Yeah, look, I think certainly as innovations become quite a, I mean, I think a popular topic for all companies. I think there was that initial risk and rush that you've got to have some big, big innovative idea. You, you've got to have some new product, some new service that, um, you know, really wows the market. And look, you know, that's a big part of innovation. We're certainly looking at that and we have strong uh, centres around creating detailed missions and resources for those missions. And I was also involved in one of those missions looking at how customers use space. Mm -hmm. And there are are long-term prospectives that are eight months. And I think they're really great because they give you the opportunity to experiment with ideas um, and see if they work. Mm -hmm. But I think there's also an interesting element of, and what we do at Fraser's, which is, uh, you know, we're really looking at change that adds value. So that can be, it can be the new, big product, new service, but it's really also the little things that we've found, the little changes, even process changes mm-hmm. that really add a lot of value. And we're really looking at our customer and saying, wow, hey, um, you know, how can we help you? Or what is frustrating you? And then looking at ways and experimenting ways to see how we can overcome that. So I think it's, it's really focusing on that whole, uh, I guess, spectrum of looking at yeah, some really easy ideas or just simple things that people haven't thought of that come out of just asking people questions, mm-hmm. you know, cutting out useless processes, cutting out meetings, I don't know, habits that just we all get into and mm-hmm. suddenly you realise this is adding nothing to yeah. the process. Getting rid of those sort of things I actually think is the most exciting part of the innovation. The other part of, you know, big ideas, yeah, mm-hmm. it's great. Yeah. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of value in that small stuff too. Oh, meetings are such a, an interesting thing. I, I do far less of them now than what, what I currently do. And I, I saw some, um, some idea that people would put a sort of a dollar clock sitting above any particular meeting for the cost of the time <coughs> of okay. all people involved. I think that would probably have many people leave or certainly the meetings happen a little bit faster. Well, that's a good idea. I'll put that on our phone. <laughs> that, that's a new mission perhaps. Yeah. Brad, you, you touched on this idea of a formal or the formal innovation process at Fraser's. Could you tell us a bit about what that is, um, how that was set up, uh, your involvement in it, sort of really, really break that down because it sounds really interesting. Yeah, I mean, overall we do have an innovation team of people who um, uh, assist with education for innovation, but it's really innovation has moved to everyone in the business, so everyone has the opportunity to learn some of these innovation tools about... Um, you know how you can generate ideas but it's really about asking questions so everyone is encouraged to ask questions about their customer um, you know you know have we asked our customer how they feel about a certain thing mm-hmm. and to try and then get a solution can I um, just sort of interject there for a second this idea of asking your customer as, as an internal lawyer um, you would be interfacing with what many would describe as internal customers in the service you deliver, but also having a mind for their ultimate customer. Yep. How, how do you and your team look at sort of that breakdown? Yeah, it's a really good point. I mean, because our customers are our internal people, and as you say, the ultimate external customers. We've actually had a lot of time spent on looking and asking our internal business people, mm-hmm. you know, how, how does this work for you? How is our interaction? We even have feedback surveys and what we do. We actually sit down with them regularly to look about, you know, in this particular process, what do you like? What don't you like? How can we do it better? Mm-hmm. And that's actually come up with you know, a lot of, uh, I, I think, useful um, data mm-hmm. that we have changed the way we operate. 
um, and like you get different businesses that are quite interested or different people even that want things in a particular way mm-hmm. um, and that starts to make you think well yeah we can do this different we can report in a different way mm-hmm. we can um, you know, provide data in a different way we can simplify our documents which has been a huge sort of step that we've done in all yep. areas and are continuing to do mm-hmm. because we are it's a, it's a profession-wide challenge i think well it is i mean and we you know and that's also talking to our external customers mm-hmm. and, and the benefits we've had in reducing the complexity of some of our documents and even some of our smaller even letters that get written to mm-hmm. people you know it's amazing and it's just some tweaks here and there or even you know, whether it's diagrammatic or pictures or whatever it is, there's sometimes an easier way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really quite excited about how that translates from our legal function of changing quite a dull text on a page to, to do something that's a little bit more usable for our customers. Now, I mean, these, you're, sort of, you're touching on an interesting point here that I was going to bring up later, but I think now's a, a good time. This idea of what role you play, what role the legal function at Fraser's plays within the business and the extent to which you are integrated or embedded with the business. People use that language a lot. I think the actuality of it is different quite a bit across organisations. Could you tell us a bit about how that works here? Yeah, so I mean, I guess we have a, a model that we would say we are in, in bed in the, we are in the business that we uh, are the interface between our external lawyers. We, we are the ones in, our le- in the legal team that only brief the external lawyers in our divisions. Um, we find that just makes for an easier transition that we have consistency of how things are dealt with. We also act as that filter. So it leaves our new business people or our, um, or our delivery teams or whoever it might be free to actually do what they do best. Mm-hmm. And we can talk to them on the right level about a commercial point, um, but not leaving them with the burden of you know, having to make sure something is produced with an external law firm. Mm. Um, so yeah, some people you know have a very different model. I think some people come into our business and say, "Oh, but I usually talk to the external lawyers." Yeah, I was going to ask that. How does that work? Yeah, I think you know some people are often frustrated with that, or yep. they say, "You know, I used to have a good contact with X, Y, Z, or yep. so and so is a mate," and you you run into all of those difficulties. Mm. But I think or truncating the process too, a feeling because you know, there's there's always a feeling that the legal process is something that is slowing down the wheels of transactions. Um, so there's that urge from every commercial person, I think, yeah. to try and get it done more quickly. Do, do you, you know, struggle at people trying to jump the barricade sometimes? Occasionally you do, but I think when people realise that that is our process and they yeah. talk to other people about how it works and then they have trust. Yeah, and you deliver you, it well. And then you deliver and they actually realise, oh, actually this is a lot easier for me mm. and oh, I'm getting things done quickly because they don't appreciate that there's also a way of instructing lawyers to get things done in a yep. more efficient way too mm. than if you just let, uh, I guess, an inconsistent approach with 10 different people doing it in 10 different ways. Mm. So, you know, it seems to work at, at this time in the business. Will that change? Maybe it will. Yeah. But, oh, um, I think it says a lot to sort of the role you play though, Brad, because I mean, a lot of people talk that or attempt to do that. And, um, and they don't they don't succeed so well well, well done on that seems, thank you it seems to be working at the moment <laughs> we'll um, come back to me in two years we'll see how we go <laughs> look and just one observation that came to mind as we're having this discussion we're, we're sitting in a meeting room um, in your offices on St Kilda Road in Melbourne the meeting room is just outside 
assume where the legal team sits, I saw you Correct. sitting at a desk there before. Uh, in your prior premises in South Bank, which was a couple of years ago, is that the, the, le- the legal function was there? Yeah, a little bit longer. Mm. Um, that was much more closed off, if I remember correctly, whereas this is very open. Anyone can just walk in and out. Has that physical location and physical structure change had an impact on how people deal with you? Uh, look, I think it definitely has. I mean, the whole whole businesses have moved to you know a different layout. Mm-hmm. And yet before we did have a, a locked door, we had a dedicated area, you know, I mean, people were allowed in. But people took a number of those. Well, that, you know, it, it adds to a very different way you interact. Yeah. I mean, you know, being on the floor, being able to walk around, even hearing conversations, I mean, it, you know, it truly puts you back into the business. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's never great to be separated by walls and, and doors and, mm. you, know, it, you know, okay, everyone's just a telephone call away, but nothing like a, a quick sort of conversation on a point. Mm. Yeah, no, I mean, certainly I've found that in, in past lives that the most engaged and effective I was in, in any internal role was when I sat without barricades and in close physical proximity to the people I was working for. Um, Excuse me. Uh, you you get to hear things and, and get your head around ideas, and um, it wasn't always perfect. I remember one person I worked for had a phrase: "There are some things you just don't tell your internal lawyer," which we always joked about. Um, but I, I, on the whole, it just I found myself more engaged and better able to deliver the outcomes they were looking for, and I found it more interesting because I I've always found that as an internal lawyer, a big part of the attraction to that role is genuinely understanding. The business and learning about the business and you know just learning things non-legal which you get far less of an opportunity to to do as as an external lawyer so yeah. well i think there's also the element of lawyers i mean we tend to have that element of you know oh, it's supposed to be so serious and mm. important i mean you know, well you'll see how i yeah. i'm even dressed today is uh, i i haven't worn a suit i think in well, i don't know Three years. Move there I. I did this for you, Brad. Well, the, the idea of, uh, I think, you know, you, you know, I'm not sure why lawyers have to often consider themselves to need to be looking so serious or, you know, an element of importance. I mean, hmm. at the end of the day, gosh, you know, it's uh, we're all just trying to get to one objective. You know, adding the suit doesn't help. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, I won't digress too much, but I find that an interesting one because, in some senses, presents an air of stuffiness, but when that is often expected of lawyers, if you take the risk, particularly if you're meeting someone new where you don't suit up, you know, saying, well, on the one hand, they get to see more of me as I am if I'm not, but if I don't do that, some people have a you know, view that, you know, there's, there's something that's not quite right. Yeah, but I guess ultimately we'll do, we deal with a lot of our customers. We yes. might have external lawyers. Yeah. I mean, our external customers need to be need to feel comfortable with all of us in mm. the business. It's yep. not, you know, I just see that you know you happen to have a role as a lawyer. Mm-hmm. It's an extension of the excellent new business people, the delivery yep. people. You know, we're not all going to turn up and look at some sort of barricade of um, you know banker suits looking. Yeah, at. and I guess for an internal lawyer too, that's really quite important because you probably want, or you're, I'm sure you do want to get a seat at the table that certainly an external lawyer wouldn't necessarily have. You, you don't want. I'm sure some people say, oh, no, that meeting, we won't have lawyers to that meeting. And you kind of, for, for lots of reasons, want to be sitting at that table often. Yeah. Um, Look, I think it took me a long time to realise, and when you have a train, you know, training at law firms and the way I, 
idea that you're separate, you know, to actually sit there and, no, I'm actually here trying to get a solution for mm. the customer that works because, yep. you know, there's some things we have to say no to for yes. sure. But, you know, a lot of the things you can find a work around. So you're actually kind of trying to sit with them. Yep. And, and yep. sometimes our customers don't quite appreciate why the, the things that they actually yep. need. So they also need a prompt. Yeah, you're, you're there helping to um, more affect, you're increasing the chance of a solution being found that's acceptable to business and you being involved earlier to help shape that is going to we hope. bring about that. We hope. Um, so, sorry, I, I took a bit of a sidetrack there. Um, back to the, the sort of the innovation function that you've got uh, here, who, so you play a, um, a prominent role in that. Can you tell me about like what is the membership, how, how often yep. do you meet, and, and also this, and you've touched on it, this funnel of ideas. How is it that ideas mm. come through and then what happens to them when they get there? Yeah, so I think there's some very structured ideas. We'll talk about missions where we have our kind of new ideas of new products, new mm. services, things yep. that we're testing on a larger scale, and we have dedicated senior managers running those and, and um, I ran, or I'm still running one of those missions with a, with another senior manager as a, a lead. Mm -hmm. And all of these are put back to the business. So the innovation team, while they're there to support, it's actually the the business, business people the that are implementing. We have a, we create a team to help help us out yeah. and there's a, a process that follows a, a, a training sort of module on how you get ideas and we'll get frustrations, ideas, experiment, solutions. Um, and it's kind of an eight, potentially to a year long process, pro yep. possibly more, mm -hmm. um, possibly even shorter. If it's an idea that you quickly see this isn't quite right, yep. it, you know, it'll be cut short. Yep. Um, then there's sort of a, a different layer of, of other missions. Of we run challenges, which are called a, a dash challenge of a four week idea generation mm -hmm. of things like how do we reduce our landfill, for example, to get ideas from all of the business through our workplace platform, which is like a Facebook for work. Mm -hmm. um, and people contribute to that to get a quick idea. Um, and then there's also another one of ideas of people can put forward um, processes, habits, those things of meetings yep. to say, this just isn't working and adding value, can we look at getting rid of it? Mm -hmm. And everyone can participate in that. Yep. Um, so there's quite a, I guess, a structured element yeah. of those three, three ways of looking at Big I ideas, I guess. I guess smaller innovations, and then even the the day to day grind of things. Mm -hmm. um, and do they all do they all pass through this um, this sort of formal functional uh, or, or committee? That sorry, what, well, you, they do in a way. I mean, the innovation team controls these, so there's a structured way of yes. gathering ideas. Yep. But there's also a filter that you know, anyone at any time can offer a suggestion of something they might want to experiment with. Mm -hmm. um, so the, yeah, there is a there is a structured way, but yep. it's also quite, I guess, unstructured too. Yeah. And and your role specifically, you've, you've avoided saying that, but you're, you take a fairly prominent role in this process? Well, in the mission, certainly, yes. when, you, when you're given a mission and there's only so many of those missions per year. Yep. Uh, and it is, you know, if, you know, first of all, you think, oh gosh, it's just another thing I have to do. And, mm. you know, but there's actually, the things that you learn in running a mission and running a team, um, even the process and the, those tools you learn, you can adopt for everyday use as well. Um, so I guess it's about you're expected to 
get a result doesn't necessarily mean it has to be a result that has a business case that will work, um, but you're expected to follow a process and then you report um, to the board on, on these findings along the way. Okay, I was going to ask the reporting lines for that. So is that, is that you at, at, at board meetings going and, and presenting sort of however you know, quarterly or however frequently they, they do, you'll say, well, this is the status of the, sort of the, the missions in progress? Um, There's different ways yep. of approaching it. I mean, some of them are even delivered at um, some of our conferences, which yep. is where we delivered our last uh, last mission mm-hmm. um, update. But there's updates along the way. I mean, as they filter up, I mean, I guess once it gets to a, a business case situation, then you will be taking that to the board, I guess, for a... Yeah, a approval. request for approval yep. for, for the, the go on, I guess, a substantial investment. Okay. Um, our mission hasn't quite got there yet. I mean, it, it's still going through some, I guess, um, iterations. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and maybe it'll get there, maybe it won't. But yep. that's, you know, it, it, that's sort of accepted. Um, so can, we, can we hone in on, on a sort of the life of a mission, I suppose, if I could, if I could describe it in that way? And, and, you know, there are a number of there that we're not going to discuss um, specifically, but I, I like the idea of, for me, understanding how it goes through and particularly the, the sort of the testing process that, that comes after that. So if, you know, you, you'll gather these ideas and we're talking here, missions are what you describe as these these big longer term um projects, innovative ideas. So they come through, you'll have, you know, you'll, you'll um, be nominating one that you think is is the most prospective. Is it, is it one on at a time? Do you have a number going or? It's, I, there's it's there's multiple running yep. and there's no set number, yep. but um, as a, uh, an executive in the business, you're not expected to, you know, it's a big, uh, I guess, draw of time. Mm-hmm. So you'll only run one. Yes. Mm-hmm per business right. uh, individual yep. or lead. Um, but, you know, the opportunity to run many, but it's not just for... It has to be the right idea mm. that, or the right challenge, I guess, that we want to test. Yep. And that comes out of customer input, really. Yes. And so, so that's the bit I'm really interested in. So if it comes through an internal process and they go, right, this is something we want to proceed with, you'll put some kind of plan around it that gets approved, there'll be some, some funding that needs to get ticked off probably going to the board for that mm. for, for, for that to happen. Um, it then goes to the relevant parts of the business that take responsibility for driving that that mission. Is that or it that could right? be or yeah. the idea if it is a new product or new service, yeah. it might be that we need a you know extra resources for that. So it might yeah. actually move from the mission leads to a you know a, a different a different area in the business mm-hmm. or a, a, you know a whole new area. Um, so there's opportunities courses for courses, but it's just yeah. not set. I mean, it yep. just really depends. I mean, some of the things, there's even ideas that get generated on these missions that, you know, in asking customers certain things or testing things, mm-hmm. you suddenly get an idea that you say, oh, that's actually a design idea that we should be doing this in our warehouses. So yep. we've implemented things like that. We've just got these, you know, little bits of information that are actually brilliant ideas by themselves mm-hmm. and we run with those separately. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, so how do you make, because some of these ideas will have a commercial sensitivity around them, so it's not like you're going to go, so here's this thing we're trying and you'll blast the whole market with that. You'll be selective in seeking feedback externally, so you identify a small number of, you know, appropriate 
customers to be engaged with that. How does, and the point you just made about the other feedback you get, I find really interesting because good feedback's often very hard to, to come by. Um, how do you find the response from customers generally when, when they're asked about being, like, like sorry, what, what is, firstly, what do you ask of customers? Um, and then generally, how do you find their response for sort of being more engaged, perhaps in some kind of pilot program? Yeah, look, I think it's on two levels. I mean, there's stages of these missions and you're asking customers really about you know, what they don't like and the frustrations mm. and elements. So it's an, you actually get a lot of value, even though it's negative commentary mm. on particular questions, you know, people are often happy to talk about what they don't like. <laughs> I mean, they often do talk about what they do like yes. as well, but you know, you're looking at obviously something's not quite right with the, a process or, yeah. or a product or whatever it is and you're wanting to fix that. The customers then, often if you're returning to those customers to say, oh, we've got a solution, does this work for you? Mm -hmm. People are quite happy to be engaged. But to answer your question, it is a short, it's a, it's a small number yes. and it's, I guess, a short run on whether it's questions and experimenting a particular idea, mm -hmm. uh, experimenting with an idea, that you, yeah, short, uh, sorry, small number of customers and you know, some will say no, but most people will say yes. Mm. No. And and do you find, I mean, certainly in, in my travels with, with what we're doing with Field, you'll, you'll find people in organisations that are, um, you know, a range of interest levels, but some really like to champion an, an idea. You know, you had shared with me a particular mission. That's our halfway mark. Um, a particular um, mission that still remains uh, under wraps. Did you see that? Like, what were there people? Super excited about that on on the customer side. They were really pushing for that internally. Like how? Yeah. Look, I mean, there were certainly some customers that say, "I want more information on this. This is great." Yep. You know, and there's that. Oh no, that's not going to work for me. But mm. there, yeah, there are people who are quite interested. And I mean, you've also got to watch as a mission too. You've got a large group, and you know, you spend a lot of time on it, so mm. you're quite invested in it. You've got to watch that you don't jump to conclusions or you know jump to the next step or also it becomes such an investment of yours that you think, oh, it has Can't to succeed. Away. Mm. Um, but look, I mean, thankfully, we've got a great team that assists us with that. that yep. We know to look out for these things. And, you know, and I think as a lawyer, you've, you're constantly, you start, you're looking at ideas for you're looking at solutions and you're very quick to get it to solution yes. mode. <laughs> and it's actually really great for me as a lawyer to realise, oh, no, this is actually about... Mm. A longer process. There's not a perfect answer straight away. Well, there's away. not, and that there's a, you know, there's actually a, a flow of ideas, and you just got to let it go. Mm. And in some ways, that's really frustrating because you're so used to, okay, this is the problem, okay, we've looked at it, but this is the solution. Let's yep. go. It's you know, okay, we've got some ideas. Let's test it. Okay, that didn't work. Let's test this other idea. Okay, let's test this other one. Mm -hmm. It does a lawyer's head in, but yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, it can all be changed. Yeah, I mean, I find that process of iteration quite um, an exhilarating one, actually, to see you start with something and you know it's never it, it's never going to be born perfect, and you get lots of different input and it progresses and and and, and gets to a final outcome and you reflect on that journey and go, oh, wow, you know, it's it's come a long way from you know from start to finish and and it's required all of those often quite 
challenging and conf- you know confronting items of feedback and other things to get to the, yeah. to the best outcome. I agree. I mean, I've learned a lot through the process. I think I'm a much better lawyer yeah. because of it, um, it than ha- having not you know, had had been involved in the process. Yeah. Oh, that's um, no, look. Th- thanks for sharing all of that because I find it um, it's a really interesting thing to see how different organisations deal with innovation. Because I, I think sort of some really invest in it, which it sounds like Fraser's doing, and sort of for some it goes on the marketing materials. But that's that's probably about it. What, one other question about sort of sharing ideas, but this within the Fraser's uh, within the Fraser's business, because it is a global business. To what extent is there? Um, uh, is there collaboration amongst different geographies or different business units? So um, you've already said that, you know, I imagine the European business you guys work, or the European logistics business, because you're under one um, business umbrella, you know, I imagine there's a lot of just discussion and collaboration there. But other elements of the phrases, the broader phrases group, does, does innovation hit that line of discussion amongst those different elements? And, and is there much sharing? Uh, look, I think there's definitely sharing. Yes, I mean there's different, you know, there's different businesses within yep. that platform. So there's lots of opportunities. Yep. Um, so uh, a mission here that's successfully you know, piloted in, you know, in the sort of Australian context may well be sort of exported to other parts of the most definitely. I mean, it's, if it's an idea that works for us, mm. I mean, it's not proprietary to the Australian business. No, no. I mean, it's an idea that. Yeah, we would be sharing that um, because it's it's ultimately something we think would work. But it might be geographic as well. It may not work in another mm. jurisdiction. I don't know. Uh, so, so Brad, what um, I try and do at the end of the um, at the end of these discussions is just to give the people listening a brief insight, perhaps into um, sort of Brad Price outside of the work context. I, I phrase it in terms of saying, what is your What's your current obsession? Something that sits outside of work and outside of family. Something could be big, could be small. What would something you spend far too much time on? Well, I think I should spend more time on it. Okay. But I'm desperately trying to. I'm going to say speak Spanish. Yes. Because I keep saying I'm only learning Spanish. Right. And it's well, there's part of the problem, I think. Wow. Well, yeah, <laughs> you need been, to commit. Uh, well, it's been a long journey, but um, you know, I continue to uh, yeah, to try my best, and whenever I can speak to, I'll. Um, I'll um, put a few words together and then harass them to try and speak back to me if they uh, speak Spanish. So we'll, uh, yeah, um, we'll see how I go with it with that in the next couple of years. Excellent. Okay, Brad, I've really enjoyed this discussion. It's given a level of detail that um, I think I've certainly found interesting. I think a lot of people, a lot of people will. And just to put you on the spot, if you can just wrap up this discussion in your best Spanish and I won't know whether it's right or wrong but perhaps people listening will. <laughs> well voy a terminar ahora and tal vez podemos um, hablar otra vez. Thanks yeah. Brad. It's been great. Right. Thank you. Thank you. If you've made it this far, thanks so much for listening all the way through. We thought this was a great episode, perhaps our best yet. We hope you got a lot from it. If you'd like to find out more about us at Field, check us out at our website, fieldql.com or on LinkedIn, Facebook and Twitter at the handle FieldQL. Thanks so much. Hopefully you can join us in the next episode. Bye-bye.